Hello and welcome to the SRF podcast. I'm Ollie and I'm Ben. If you're watching on YouTube, please remember to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and let us know in the comments what guest you'd like to see on the podcast next. Or if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five star review. It really does help us out. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Yes Ref podcast. I'm Ollie Ballinger and with me is co-host Ben Williamson. Ben, how are you, mate? Yo, uh, yeah, I'm okay, mate. Um, late night last night, I had a PL2 game and the M4 was closed practically everywhere. Um, so I got home at half one this morning. So I'm okay. I just want a nap. You're looking fresh and beauty-eyed, mate. So yeah. anyway, you know enough. That. that's nice. <laughs> enough of that we are excited very excited today to welcome um, our next guest onto the podcast harvey newstead harvey how are you yeah, very well Ollie. thank you me. tremendous delighted to have you uh with us fellow futsal colleague yeah tell us uh tell us who you are yeah so um referee development officer at norfolk county football association um also a level four match official in football and as you've just uh, alluded to level one nationalist futsal referee so um doing football and futsal combined uh, makes my weekends busy and with football in the week, it's football sort of 24-7. Which sport do you prefer? Well, there's not really a preference. I think futsal, I think oh, in terms of the colleagues, I think because we work together probably more, maybe futsal tips it just because of that um, that friendship. Um, oh God, football. we're going to have a two-on-one talking about futsal today yeah. then. Yeah, apologies Ben. <laughs> it's okay. I'm learning slowly, mate. Tremendous. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about day-to-day life in... Um your role of RDO looks like because I think I think both Ben and I's experience of an RDO in, in Wiltshire is probably very different to what it's like in uh, Norfolk because, you know, our own experience probably suggests that counties operate very differently depending on, on where you're from. Yeah, so I think, yeah, county specifics always, every county will run slightly differently. Um, in terms of RDO day-to-day life, there's quite a, a lot of variation, right? So, um, no week's the same, which is probably why I enjoy it quite a lot, because there's different things to be working on um, in the week and, and day to day. In terms of our county, so um, I'm a referee donor officer, and then we have um, a referee appointment officer as well. Um, so unlike other counties where the leagues do the appointments, we actually have an in- in-house appointment officer. Um, so we work slightly differently in terms of that, which is ideal, I think, for our development of our referees, because we can kind of appoint them in- to where-, where we want them to go uh, and officiate. I think in terms of a week, roughly, Monday and Tuesday will tend to be working around um, with our referees around issues they've had, reports that they've sent in for, for matches um, from the weekend. Um, so that kind of takes a lot of my time up Monday and Tuesday to ensure that our referees have support and actually they're comfortable with what they've reported and they're happy to go out again um, the following week. And that also will help with retention, right? Because we want to keep referees in the game. If they're not supported, they're not going to do that. But also in Monday and Tuesday is when clubs will email in because they're not happy with the decision or how a, a situation was handled. So you'll either get the low marks that come through on our form, so they have to deal with that, get the referee's view on it, and then liaise with the club. Or it could just be as simple as this happened in the game. Can you can you give us an understanding of what, what the law is um, around that to sort of um, appease the club in terms of what the law is so they have a greater understanding? So just get a lot there, I just want to yeah. jump in on the appointments bit. Um, I'm sure you could talk to us yeah. about your week and we will come on to it. So as we know, uh, county FAs do really different things all over the place. What do you think are the benefits of having an in-county appointments officer? Like, I think it's a really, really good thing and I think everyone should have one. Yeah. Why do you do it? Have you looked at other options? What are the benefits? I think benefits for us in terms of referees registered through us 
and then it's keeping everything in one place. Whereas with some other counties of speech referees, they've got loads of different leagues that they have to then send dates to. Um, so there's no one sort of date system that they all use in terms of leagues. Obviously for us now, we've previously used other sites. We now use YesRef. Um, so oh, do you? We're with <laughs> to give you the plug, give you the plug there. So all our referees in the county will use YesRef for, for appointments. So I think that keeps everything in one place. Yes, there's MOAS for the referees that run the line at a slightly high level, and then obviously level four and above, we, we use MOAS for that. But it keeps everything in one place. All information's in one place for referees. Um, and also we can then appoint referees to the games that are suitable for them. Um, referees that we want to progress and maybe work on certain games. They might think, oh, there's a game there where a referee that's coming through, actually that might be suitable for them. Your more challenging games, your more senior referees are obviously going to be on those. Um, and we can then give the referees a variation of matches um, throughout throughout the season. And obviously we can then track progress, see how they're doing, how they're performing, club marks, everything, all, all in one place. So I think for us, it's having that um, sort of control over match officials, but also for match officials, it makes it so much easier um, for them to have everything kind of in one place. And it obviously it'd be great if the whole, all the systems with the FA are all in one. Um, but obviously they have two at the moment if they use Do you it. think that promotes a closer relationship with your referees because there's generally a single yeah. source of contact or two? Because I know in Wiltshire we don't have a, a our own appointments officer and it's something, I, if I'm honest, I'm really pushing for because I think it's so much better for a referee that comes off the yeah, course. Yeah. They have just one two or three people in the county that they always go to. It has to has to be the right way, right? Yeah, 100%. I think it, it's that unity and that like knitted group that we have. So our CPDs at the start of the season, so every referee that wants to be appointed by Norfolk FA for matches must attend a CPD. So we have the option of online um, and face-to-face this year. So um, we can get the referees all in one, one room and give updates around appointment stuff, any sort of updates from the FA. But also from me, I can then deliver an education development session to actually developing referees while they're there as well. Um, so 100% it. we have that communication in the week as well. So when issues arise, we can then put the conflicts on with those teams who are not then putting the referees back into a situation that um, wouldn't be uh, appropriate. So yeah, that unity and actually that collectiveness of and that communication between um, putting off RDO and the referees is I think is much more beneficial for the county rather than separate separate leagues that you could have. And I think it's really interesting. I think there are a lot of benefits to doing it, uh, bringing everyone together collectively, because uh, mm-hmm. I think you do build relationship, relationships up the way. Has it been something that you've that Norfolk has always done and you've been a part of, or has it been something you, yeah. that you've transitioned into? So it's all, since I came into my role as an apprentice and then obviously moved on to RDO, um, three seasons ago it's always been in place it's always been in place when I was um, refereeing so it's been something that's gone on for quite a long time and um, I think is, is a real success um, and obviously we've seen other counties trial it um, obviously when referees or counties are interested in it maybe they're going to do certain leagues um, I've had conversations with our RDOs my head of services Matt Lemon has had meetings with other counties around kind of how we do the model so um, some county ways are trying to replicate it in, in different ways. Obviously, we only do certain um, foot, like types of football. So I know um, county close by, they appoint a lot of the youth football but don't do the adult, whereas we do a lot more of the adult football Saturdays and we only do certain um, sort of age groups in the in, in the youth. But we also do the women's vets, Sunday league uh, and all our, all our Saturday football as well in the men's and adult games. So. I think... I think um... 
uh, having a consolidated approach certainly allows the individual or the organization to have a more bird's eye view mm. of, of what you can do with referees because you you can see everything. Um, I think the, the thing you've always got to consider is the commercial model is around, you know, bringing in someone else to do that is an expense. You know, you can't underestimate that. And there are competitions and leagues out there that do have um, volunteers that, that are happy to do it. So I think that sometimes is where, where you can create the sticking point. Yeah, yeah, but but from a development point of view, I think it's a, a really strong um, approach. You mentioned you started mentioning that your Mondays and your Tuesdays are like dealing with the fire from the weekend. Yeah. Like, how do you um, approach and communicate with the clubs around their gripes that they may or may not have? And like, does anyone give you any feedback about how good the referees are? Yeah, so that's one thing we do ask clubs to provide us, and we do get that um, quite often. Uh, it's actually, yes, you might, you're quite quick to jump at us when um, there's an issue in the game. But actually, if we have a referee that does a good job, can we praise it? Can we drop us an email? One, so we can put that on their file, just so we can keep a note of when people get, but also to let the referee know they've, they've had a good job and done a good job in the game, because that, that can go a long way to keeping that match fished in the game, getting them maybe doing more games at a weekend. And actually just letting them have done a good job is such a nice thing, right? So, um, yeah, we always do that. But obviously we, we do have the communication uh, around maybe a report about a referee's conduct or around certain law or incidents. So clubs will fill out a low mark form on our smart sheet that then comes through to me. Um, I can then liaise with, with both parties around um what could have been done differently, get the referee's observations, because obviously referee might have seen it totally differently to how the people on the sideline um, have seen it. And then it's just sort of um, sort of concluding the situation of what maybe could have happened or what should have happened or what was the right thing to have heard is what the referee did. So, um, yeah, that's usually the Monday and Tuesday of, of work. With that, do you think we in football, like collectively, we, clubs, referees, county FAs, etc., do enough to do like CPD events for clubs and referees together because we do referee CPD. We clubs and coaches have their own CPD, but we don't, I don't think we do enough where referees get to see the, the, the club side of views and clubs don't see referee side of views. Cause there was a recent, um, uh, somebody premier league stuff were moaning that the referee wasn't good enough or doesn't understand the game or whatever. Like what, what could we do more? Do you think? Yeah, I think, getting referees and clubs in the same room is it would be beneficial I think with futsal we had at the start of the season so our laws of the game updates we had clubs and referees in the same room and then we did that sort of topic around managing players and managing situations we've done not get both in the room but we do offer through Norfolk FA it's a club and league menu so clubs and leagues can apply for certain workshops to support them so it could be a workshop around sideline assistant refereeing um, we do also a couple other ones that are like through the eyes of the referee. So we actually go to clubs or leagues. Um, so it could be the league get all their league secretaries together. It could be that clubs bring their captains in a, and a manager. Um, we've done it a couple of times last year with North West Norfolk League. So they've, they've brought their captains uh, or any key players and, and manager into a, um, a meeting um, face-to-face. We've, we've gone out to them, me and Matt Lemon, uh, and delivered a through the eyes of referee workshop. So kind of why referees referee, a little bit on education around foul recognition, um, kind of how to best work with the referee and I think that was really beneficial for the clubs um, so actually get an understanding of 
kind of what a referee goes to on a match day and, and how they might operate and actually a little bit of understanding the law. None of them knew careless, reckless, excessive force, which is um, your basic that we teach referees in a course. But actually, yeah. the clubs and, and the, the players didn't have a clue about it. So actually giving them that little bit of understanding may just impact and influence the match they then go and have on, on the Saturday or Sunday. So, um, yeah, it's always beneficial. We push it to clubs all the time to do that. But actually, yeah, maybe it's something we need to think about as... Um, as county FAs and, and referees to maybe bring both groups um, closer together, the game closer together because it can only then yeah. help um, help the experience for everyone really. And just so what, me from I got one more question on this point, Ollie. Sorry, I think uh, I really want to know the go answer. Go for it, then. Yeah, yeah. Treat yourself. Uh, I will. Thank you. Um, is there like a common club gripe? Like that referees don't. There'll be loads of things that they say referees don't do very well or could do better. But is there a common something that clubs would love referees to understand more i think um some of the stuff we get is maybe conduct around referees um, in terms of in terms of sort of um, not explaining decisions being quite blunt um in the match so they don't get an understanding of why decisions were made which i understand can cause a lot of frustration um so that's where we'll do then we'll tailor some of our cpd around sort of managing situations game management um, having those conversations with players what it could just be a one-worded answer to a player and they want to see and that actually might help that player be able to just move on from the situation so yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah anything that we get if it's persistent stuff so a lot of it has been sort of game management talking to players uh, because some referees in the moment of it they're just trying to concentrate on the game so I understand some of them go they don't want to speak to the player but actually then can you have that conversation in a break in play to actually then yeah. really help your match control? So um, To say I'll come back to you in 30 yeah, seconds so is so much better than ignoring them, right? Yeah, Top so tip for the listeners. Could help. Talk to yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's, I don't disagree with talking to players is important, but I also think you need to understand the, the player themselves and the character because some players just want to play the game and they will accept what the referee does. And I think sometimes a player can end up talking to a referee and making the situation worse. Like, you know, the player yeah, doesn't care what the referee right. wants to do. Player just wants to play. If the referee makes a decision whether he likes or dislikes it, so what? I want to put the ball down at my feet and I want to dribble and I want to score. So, yes, I would encourage communication for sure. And I think you could communicate in all these wonderful different ways, you know, with the whistle, body language, with the voice. But I think sometimes you have to know the player, you know, and if he's one of the players that just needs to be left well, alone. How do you do that? Like, if you're 14, how, how do you, if you're 14, 15, you just start refereeing, how do you know... The players you can talk to. Yeah, and that's a challenge that we speak about a lot on, on referee courses. So I think it will come with experience. I think as you get more experience in refereeing, that's going to help. Obviously, if you've got a game understanding a little bit, you've played football before, you might you might know that. But I think it's reading situations and reading the game in terms of player reactions and things and trying to create that rapport early on when you arrive at the game. Because actually, you don't just referee the 90 minutes. You're there before the game, have that pre-match conversation with players you're doing the jewellery check, hit check, whatever it could be, in the tunnel, when you're having that warm-up, there might be a not the odd player that has that conversation with you or you might chat to a laugh, smile. And actually, you can get on that same wavelength with them straight away and actually in the game, there'll be the players that will then be able to possibly help you. Might be the captain, it might not. It might be a different player. The captain might be the worst player to have to try and deal with, um, which, which we've all probably experienced. So actually having that other player that you might be able to speak to and you've already had that previous conversation with them, You've already built that rapport with them. So that's obviously stuff we teach on on the referees course. 
but it will come with experience. I think obviously the more games you do, the better you're going to get at everything and that game understanding uh, and how you manage certain situations is obviously going to be different yeah, I agree. Um, as, as you gain more experience. Okay, so we got to, where did we get to? We got to Tuesday. So we've done a lot already since Tuesday. Um, what's the rest of the week look like? So rest of the week will depend on um, projects, operation plans and sort of the things that are going on in the week. So obviously our, not our main work because obviously the work needs to be the best interest of referees. So if there's something that needs to be sorted for referees, that's what comes as a priority. But as an FA working with us, we have four key performance indicators that the FA um, sort of have our work work towards. So you've got recruitment, um, retention, um, progression, and then conversion. So obviously the recruitment work that we do is obviously delivering referee courses. So yes, there's a number that we have in terms of the, what the FA would like us to recruit. Um, but then because we appoint to referees, there's always games that we need referees for. So we have our own internal um, target that we, we want to try and achieve. But also we break that down into referees that want to do adult football and youth football because there's yeah. different um, demands for, for those types of football. Um, so yeah, putting on courses, liaising with clubs to try and get people to put people from their clubs onto um, courses, work with our marketing team to get news stories out because the more we can promote about um, refereeing through our sort of social media channels, just the refereeing story gets just published around and people see it through social media. So um, yeah, a lot around recruitment. Obviously once we deliver courses, it's then working with the referees to ease them into into sort of refereeing um, sort of at the week. Are they easy to fill courses nowadays? Do you, do you fill all your courses? Or um, most we, most run. We all, we do actually struggle um, sort of west of the county, so sort of Kings Lynn, um, uh, so the Northwest Norfolk League. We do a lot of work with them to try and get a course on. Um, so that's one of our key things this year to try and get a course out that way. We tried one in the summer. Unfortunately, it didn't um, didn't run, but the few that did book on, we've been managed to be able to get on to other courses. So this year, so far, we've trained um, 81 referees. Okay. I think 81, something around that mark. Um, Why do you think you're struggling, Kings Lynn? Well, is there a reason for that? Um, possibly. It's quite, um, we're quite a big county in terms of um, location, actually, where people are dotted around. Um, Obviously, maybe not as big as catchment area to, to get referees. The league previously have had some issues a few years ago. And actually, the Northwest Norfolk League and committed doing some really good work. They won the people that did the, the workshop with us. Um, so, yeah, it's just trying to get referees out in that way. Um, could be a number of factors, I think. Um, yeah. Why referees in that area might not want to officiate um, on that border, obviously, of other counties. So, um, yeah, it's difficult, but I think. We try and use Power BI to look where our other areas are. So um, we've done one out in um, out in Great Yarmouth um, in the east. So we, we had, I think, 20 on that course, which was excellent at the start of the season. So um, really good for some of the youth leagues that we appoint to and also some of the youth leagues that um, we don't appoint actually their referees, but their clubs put referees on. So then their games are then covered. So that's um Really, really key. I think that's really important that clubs kind of push younger players or the younger players, the players that meet the age criteria, onto referees courses because I think it also just gives them like a really good understanding, and then that just that helps like bridge the gap of where we were saying earlier that players don't really understand law. Well, actually, if they can get on a referees course at fourteen, fifteen, and referees to the the under twelves in their club 
before they go and play in the afternoon, uh, we increase knowledge and get more games covered. That's got to be a benefit, right? Yeah, and it's, but also it's them players being a role model for the players at their football club. So actually then players come through. Like we've got quite a lot of families, referees in, in Norfolk. So we've got like mums and dads and then their son and daughter, both referee. We've got like a dad and a son or a couple of brothers, sisters that both referees. So they've seen their, their, their brother start refereeing and they've actually, oh, oh I'll... Um, I'll um, get involved with that. But also if players see a referee every week when they're young, they've seen a role model and actually they might think about roles in football. And if they've had a good referee and someone that's actually an official referee, they might think, oh, when I'm 14, I want to, I want I want to, to take that. the course. But yeah, we work a lot with our clubs. Um, and if they've got enough people, we'll run a private course for that club. So last year with nice. Horsford, they had 12 individuals and all the players at the club and the club were willing to pay for them to do do the course, they provided the facilities. So um, over the weekend, delivered a course and quite a lot of those are still refereeing um, for us. So, you know, some have gone to university and or some have decided actually it maybe wasn't for them, but the majority of them are still refereeing now for, for Horsford uh, every weekend. So their club have match officials that they can tap into for, for fixtures, which is excellent. So they're not having to come to us to say we're struggling for referees. They've they've done somewhere about it as a club and thought, right, yeah, let's no. see if we can get... Our players that really right, under fifteen, sixteens will pay for it and get them on the course, and that can help massively for for a club, um, a grassroots club in in the county for sure. I yeah, think that's um, really interesting, Harvey, about clubs wanting to do their own referee courses, and I think more and more of that should be encouraged because it sort of builds that pool of referees around around that club. And I think depending on the sport that you officiate in, that is a lot more apparent than it is in, let's say, like football. Like you create the sort of a club, you know. I know cricket is a little bit different in insofar as, you know, sometimes depending on the level in which you play in cricket, you'll have, you know, batsman 10, 11, you know, umpiring, you know, which, you know, it's all, it's all relevant. It's all important. But I like the fact that people get to wear those different hats mm. all part yeah, of the same club because it makes you drive, drive the same game, you know. And I know rugby is certainly um, similar in terms of creating that camaraderie. But... The those referees that are part of that club, do you think it should be upon the club to appoint those referees to their local games? Do you think that creates any conflict, or is it about creating an environment where referees can whistle, whistle the games, and just gain the experience? Yeah, I think whistle so, the game. Yeah, yeah in terms game. of whistle the game, Ollie loves it. <laughs> Don't you start? <laughs> I won't. Um, in terms of the youth football. Right, so majority of the youth football in, in the county, if they've got a referee, brilliant, it's a qualified match official. But if they haven't got a match official and they ask North Fade to provide someone or see if we can get someone for them, if we don't have a referee for them, who referees it? So it's going to be a mum, dad, a parent, and granddad. Someone's going to step in or even the coach is going to step in, right? So actually, even though they've got a link with the same under-16 team, if it's the under-8s, under-9s, under-10s, why not have someone that's qualified do the game? That's better than someone without any knowledge. So um, obviously, maybe slightly older age groups, we'd say it's probably a bit more of a conflict. And obviously games that we're point with, we don't want to have, uh, we want a neutral person. But if it's nobody or someone that's involved with the club, actually, youth football, right? Let, get a qualified referee on the game. And actually, probably be a better game for everyone rather than a parent having to do it. The coach can then actually concentrate on coaching the team um, and developing the players, actually, the referee then has a game to to referee, and um, no referee, I don't think, even if it's their club, is going to go out of their way to to do anything um, that causes a conflict. They're going to go and do an honest uh, job, the best job they can do, 
um, for the football match they referee in. Yeah, I think that's just like a self sense of pride, isn't it? Like, I'm here to do yeah. a job. Yeah, fine, I'm the under 16s player, but I'm here to referee because yeah, I'm probably just know any of those players anyway. Right, they're not not gonna. Like, yes, they play the same club, but they never train together. They might not see each other very often. They might yeah, they're not gonna know each other. Yeah, for sure. I think it's fascinating. People say like, "Did you referee like Melksham Ben when you were growing up?" I'm like, "Yeah." Oh, how can you do that? You live there, right? I also live in England. Does that mean I can never referee a team in England? Like, yeah, Fort Village is five minutes around the corner from me. I used to referee for them. People go, you, you go to Thorpe High School. It's like, so none of those players go to the high school. They're all, they're all older. So. Don't make a difference, does it? But there's this common like misconception, I think, that you can't referee. Same, I think, from my policing. Like, I don't know if you know, I'm a police officer as well. Uh, oh, do you police your, home, your own town? Yeah, I don't know the, however many thousands of people that live in my town. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a job to do. I've got to go and do it, right? Yeah, I think unless people have done done the job or have a bit more understanding about refereeing, then actually you just jump to assumption or you've just come up with what you think and that's what you, what you think is what's the answer to uh, maybe the problem. So your job as an RDO seems to be ever-evolving. You're dealing with um, lots of feedback from clubs and referees, doing lots of education with, with the grassroots team, running courses, tutoring courses. No doubt you squeeze in a few observations uh, and match day coaches in there. But like, what is one of the biggest challenges as an RDO? Like what, what, what's really difficult to achieve? I think um, listening to referees was, when I came into the role, was probably the biggest challenge um, we had in terms of referees always talk when they're at matches about the FA, county FA, problems that they've got um, or that they're not happy with appointments, just general referee chat where you might hear it from another referee as an RDO. And when I came into the role, it was something we wanted to try and improve that and give referees a platform to be able to voice opinions and try and make a little bit of change. So um, it's still a challenge obviously now, but what we've done to sort of try and change that is we create a referee engagement group so any referee could apply to be on it. We had like 10 spaces, um, we said roughly for like a group. Um, so we have 10 referees, but we also have um, representatives from different like, organisations. So we have someone from the RA, um, our mental health champions on it. We have someone from our young referee group. So we have someone that sort of represents the young referees. Um, and then we've also got someone from our assessors association. I'd love the name to be changed. To, assessors Association. Yeah, so it's an independently group, independent group set up by um, the assessors, as they previously were known. Obviously, now they're observers, match day coaches, or mentors. Um, it's something I'd, I'd love to get. Not that quite the same ring to it. Observers, assessors, match day coordinators. Yeah, so I'd like to get that group. change. Maybe some sort of workforce group developer. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what, how that can evolve. But so we have all those representatives, and then ten referees. And we meet every couple of months. But in the first season, with my first season as RDO, we met pretty much every month um, because obviously there was things they maybe wanted improved or changed from the previous RDO. And David did a great job, but there's things that referees just wanted different change on. So we wanted to give referees that that voice. But obviously we've got 500 referees and other counties have more referees than, than us. So it's actually hard to be able to speak to our referees um, all the time so that's why we've given them that platform they can then speak to the people in their area to bring things to the meetings there's also an anonymous form that we have that's sent out to referees every month in our bulletin 
So actually, if you've got a problem, but you don't really want to confront it straight up, you can just anonymously put it in there. It's then up for discussion at a reg meeting. But I always say to referees, if there's a problem, unless you tell me about it, we can't work on it, we can't change it. So don't moan about it in the change room to an assistant who then you never know might drop it in in conversation and speaking, but pick up the phone, come into the office, like um, book or book in some time to have a meeting where we can, we can try and change stuff. So we've been able to adapt things, change things, especially in that first year is a massive um, eye opener for me about what referees were thinking in the county, but also um, over the last couple of years now we've been able to just have little things, anything we're thinking about maybe bringing out, we can then run past that group Um Actually, do they think it's good? Do they think it's not? So at the moment, we're now just reviewing how the CPDs went in the summer. Um, so actually a lot more of them, a lot came to face-to-face, but obviously some sat on the online stuff because um, we offered both options and actually some of the group didn't like the online stuff. They said actually, yes, it was the same stuff that was delivered, but the online didn't have that same engagement and obviously it, yeah. it wouldn't. So um, we want to get people more face-to-face. So that's now, that group, we've let that group now go away, next meeting, bring some ideas of how you'd like it to look um, for, ne- for next season. Um, so if that's more practical elements, if it is, it's always now going to be face-to-face so we can use our engagement group to try and enhance refereeing and, and make their experience better because my job is to service them. So uh, if there's something they're not enjoying, if we can try and change it, then then why not? Obviously, there's, there's things where they, they've brought suggestions, like when we move to YesRef and everyone's going, well, why can't we use MOAS? Well, unfortunately, we just can't at the moment. So um, this is, for me, the, the next best thing. So that's why um, we're going on it. So it's then... Great plug. Um, Thank you. No <laughs> so, I think it's really interesting about the feedback being online versus in person. Um, because you miss out on those water fountain conversations, right? When you're just huddling around the... Even just before the meeting starts or at a toilet break or whatever, you just miss out on that that casual interaction. We're humans, right? So like we kind of, isn't it as well? We don't get any of that. And I don't, I don't enjoy delivering them as much as I do the face-to-face ones. The face-to-face ones, they can turn up half an hour before everything's set up, grab a tea or coffee, have that chat, have the chat with your colleagues, whereas the Zoom meeting starts and everyone's waiting for me just to start the meeting. Mic off, then, cameras off. And then we'll be in the end. I ask them, keep the cameras on because then I'm not just talking to a blank screen, but most people, if it's convenient, I don't I understand it. They're coming from work. They might be listening in as they, as they might be cooking tea um, or trying to deal with childcare and things, but we want them to stay engaged as, as best you can. So um, obviously we, we promoted and we delivered more face-to-face to try and get people um, and I think it's really nice just getting everyone together. Like we spent so long and not being together and mm-hmm. any opportunity to get a load of referees around the table, around the field of play, around whatever, um, I think so much better. So that probably leads on to my next question of what was your, why, like, why did you take the role when it came up? What was your main inspiration? And did you have a, by the end of my tenure doing this role, I want to achieve X? Like, what? why? Yeah, so I think it comes back to a little bit of wanting to be involved in football and sport. So obviously at sixth form, um, I did a placement at primary school, uh, which is my old primary school, and then I got a part-time job there, so delivering in sports. So that was something I always wanted to be involved in. So I thought PE teacher, a bit of that education, teaching stuff is kind of where I wanted to go down and stay in sport. But then obviously you're thinking about other football roles, so that was kind of I want to be involved in football. So my why is always want to be involved in football, um, or some sort of sport and then that teaching education thing and obviously then I was thinking about jobs and then um, and I thought oh well I'll, I'll do it. it'd be 
would be brilliant. Um, kind of brings both your interests, your passion, your loves all together. Um, but that's actually, it's a really niche and hard role to get because unless there's a position in your county FA, unless you're prepared to maybe travel a few hours to go and do another um, county role, it's quite hard. So, and anywhere from Norfolk is is miles away. So you're not really going to try and do those those roles in the counties. So for me, it then came to do I go to university and try and maybe do a degree to then become maybe a teacher in keeping that education piece or something in a role in sport. Um, then the apprenticeship came up at Norfolk FA, so I took took that, um, and that was for football services administrator. Um, so working in the football services team, which David, the RDO, and the appointment officer would sit in, um, but I was looking after the county cups. So um, that was my main role for two seasons. Um, and then David retired conveniently at the end of my two years, went through all the official proceedings, and obviously then got offered the job. And um, nice. I, I was quite pleased with that because it fitted the the passion of refereeing and that love for football and also still has that education teaching bit with courses and development yeah, yeah. through CBD. So um, it's kind of that ideal ideal role that, that I've got. For me, in terms of things I wanted to um, maybe sort of hit, I hadn't really set myself three or five-year targets because I was quite young in terms of like first season, just actually need to get to know our referees because some referees I would have worked with um didn't there was that piece about listening to referees because I've been on the ground as a ref and referees speak to you when you're obviously as an apprentice and just about things but can we try and create some change then also we'd just come back from Covid so our referees like retention number wasn't great um so was that really difficult to bounce, to bounce back yeah on? it was tough um obviously really enjoyed delivering the county cups when we came back because that's one thing we decided to do we came back from football we, we delivered the county cup competition so um, myself and the team were on furloughed and we were we were straight into delivering our, our 10 county cup competitions which was really enjoyable because we got football back and we had some really exciting um, competitions and finals but then yeah obviously then taking that role in in July it was like blimey we've not got enough referees here so I think I can't really remember what the target was from the FA it might have been like 80-90 referees to recruit and I think we trained 150 in that first year Wow. Um, because that was that was the big target. We need we need to get referees back doing courses and get referees out there, out there refereeing. So um, that was really for me in the first first year that that big target to to hit. What um, so I like what is the key KPIs for you as an RDO? Because I think that is a very different opinion depending on what hat you wear in. The count the county so like as a club I think I probably have a different expectation as to what your RDO looks like versus yeah. if I'm a referee I've got a different opinion again versus if I'm the FA right I probably got a different opinion again you know so like what what is it that that you've got to focus on that becomes a priority yeah so from the FA um, there's there's the four um, so your recruitment retention conversion and progression so you have a number that you need to hit and recruit but then yeah. we have our ops plan. Um, that's county specific, which will have programs and things in that will maybe work towards some of them, but also are our referee county specific that need to be done for our referees because that's who we're servicing. Um, so it might be the FA say you need to train 100, but we can see actually we probably, with the drop-off that we've had, we might actually need to train 120. So um, we'll set our own targets around the FA ones. Retention, there's a percentage off a baseline of your referees that you've had from the previous year that the FA will give you that you then need to retain those referees. So actually, those referees that we've seen on our list that haven't re-registered, 
And it could be that they're quite new still to refereeing, so they might have just done their course last year and they're still unaware they had to um, re-register. So it's just giving them that courtesy call just to see um, kind of how they're doing. And if it is that they've stopped, we also send out a survey um, start of September. So I've been getting feedback from that around why referees have stopped. Um, so we, um, give us an uh, give us a give us an insight into one of the reasons. One was referee abuse. Be quite blunt and honest with it. Um, okay. So then it was just I, I phoned that referee up to see if actually can we get them back into refereeing with a mentor. Um, so a couple have decided to. Some is age. They've refereed for quite a few years. They've decided that um, they don't want to do it anymore. Childcare, different work um, commitments have changed that, and some of them have put. But would like to maybe um, continue in the future. So it's then maybe three or four months down the line. Can I go back in and? try and engage with that, that referee again to get them back into refereeing. So we don't want to lose them forever, um, but we might we might just, they might not referee for six months. So it's then actually saying, do you want to re-register now? So you get the updates and um, you can sort of still be part of the development, but you're not refereeing um, at the moment. The other obviously ones we have a progression. So we need to obviously progress referees through the system. So obviously you've got the match day coaching um, with seven, seven, six, six to five. Then you've got your observations at five to four. Um, so we've got a record number this year of referees that want to go on the question pathway. I think we're around 80 referees applied. Nice. Um, we've got around 400, uh, 450, 500 referees. So we're pretty pleased with that. I think we promoted around 35 last year. Um, nice. Strong. To have 80 on the list this year is, is fantastic. Might not all do it in one season. That's obviously the beauty with the match day coaching and the new progression pathways. It's at the referee's pace. Um, so we'll highlight certain referees and referees, they want to progress quite quickly, but some want to do it a little bit slower in, in their times. So they're not strict to that, that season. And also, I think with the match day coaching, it was um, a good decision in terms of some of these referees are still quite new to refereeing at level seven. Actually, they shouldn't be worrying about an observer on the side of the pitch. And what do I need to do to impress that observer? Actually, just referee the game. And this match day coach that's come to see you and have already had that conversation with you pre-game to see how can they help you? What things you've been working on? What you don't think you do well, and what you do think you do well, and can just help you and become a better referee because that's what the person on the side of the pitch, even if it is an observer, their main goal is to make you a better referee. Make you so, better, yeah. Um, that for us, I think the match day coaching is is really beneficial because the referee's not worrying about observer and when they're making a decision, thinking, do I need to do this or this to get the marks because there is no real official mark just what do you perform well in and what should you be working on in the next game and also the form's excellent with it having the key focus for the next game so that's that one thing actually is causing the referee a problem or one thing the referee needs to to deal with to um, be better next week in, in their game I think it's um, really um, really interesting Harvey to understand like what it is that you do day to day like what's a priority where you've got to focus your your time on and what I would probably also say is like it's really quite encouraging um, to have you know what I would say is a very proactive RDO you know my experience of RDOs in my time as a, a young referee was always is always different. You know, we didn't have that central appointment solution. So the interaction with the county was always different. But also these forums, you know, they weren't, they probably weren't there when I was around. There might have been a couple of our local RA meetings at the time, but yeah. some of the things that you're doing sound like fantastic. And I think it should be um, really exciting for the for referees, both of yeah. the younger generation and, and the older generation, maybe players who have stopped and want to referee to have this sort of wonderful facility 
where they can seek support, education, advice, and and just gain that enjoyment out of refereeing. Yeah. So, um, I want to. I got a couple of questions for you. The first one is like, what is your priority this season? And I and I'd like to ask you across the three different hats that you wear. So your role is RDO, your role as a football referee, and then your role is a, as a futsal referee. Cool. Um, no problem. So I'll start off with futsal referee. I think gain as much more experience as I can. Um, yeah. Obviously love to be involved with the grand finals at the end of the season. Um, was away on holiday last year, so I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, so I heard you were going to get one, mate, but you you just yeah. went on holiday. So you never know. You've had that opportunity, and you decided to to go swan enough. You never know. So um, no, it's always you always want to be involved with those big games at the end of the season. So I think um, for, for, as a futsal referee, uh, to be involved in that potentially maybe one of those sort of the youth tournaments come up at the end of the season. Did Poland a couple of years ago? Obviously, Ollie, I know you went out to Croatia in the summer, and then we did the, the partially sighted um, World Championships in Birmingham. Um, so actually, maybe something like that if, if we can get the opportunity. But yeah, just if you're involved in the grand finals, I think you know you've had a good season Done well. in terms of uh, in terms of marks. Not too bothered about merit position in terms of you want to be obviously if you, if you know you're getting a final, you've probably been higher up. So I don't try to worry about the, the marks too much in terms of position. But actually, actually, have you had that reward? Are you involved with those big games? I think football just keep. Um, consistently trying to have a good performance. Um, I think I had a really strong season last year. Um, don't think I was far off promotion, so it's just building on that um, um, to keep to keep going and um, obviously balancing the two because Saturdays yeah. and Sundays can... can there'll be a choice soon, surely? We, do you think there'll be a choice that you'll have to decide which one you like more? I don't, I don't know. Um, depends on the, how far apart the levels. I think at the moment, level four and level one works. Um, but it's not. In, it's kind of in my hands to an extent. If I perform well, you might progress in, in either of them. Um, and then when that time comes, and if there's a decision to be made, there's a decision to be made. So. Well, you, Ollie, you were level four when you made a decision, weren't you? Yeah. So I was. Uh, I think 2015, 2016 was the season I decided to take a step back from from level four. Yeah. Um, and it was probably more a choice that I imposed on myself than I think I am. That anyone imposed on me, so I didn't. The, the the FA didn't impose it, and I think it was a case of you know, it is a lot you know to referee two different disciplines, you know. And yeah. I know there's people that referee football and referee cricket. I think it's a little bit more cleaner because you have that, you can actually switch off from one and start the other. But I think when you're like refereeing football on a Saturday and futsal on a Sunday, whilst there are similarities in the game. Like they are two very different games to to officiate. God, imagine doing your little yeah. Because you're about to start counting. What are you doing, mate? It might help you. Like, yeah, no, we're not having that. You never know. Start. Counting. I mean, don't get me wrong. We used to count four seconds, uh, you know, up like that. Yeah. Um, and I've definitely done that on a couple of goal kicks in football before now, you know. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know, so it, it happens. So it is hard. So but it's come up on the halfway line. You're running over to the penalty spot. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, mate. Kick, it's five fouls. And yeah, 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 yeah. On the sixth one, we'd go into the... Yeah, we're having, we're having, in. A, having a special penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could for that sure. work in football? That is a great question. Could that work in football? What? The sixth, fifth foul, sixth foul, I don't know which one it is, but the next one is then a penalty. Stop fouling. Or a type of free kick for a type of foul. It's really interesting to see it in like some trials. 
Um, yeah, I think the number would have to change. Yeah, I think it would because there's longer game, more contact. Yeah, yeah. Also, like delaying the restart of play. Like if you do that more than three times, next time we don't worry about these yellow cards that we're doing now. Next time stop, you delay the restart of play, clock. I'm giving a penalty. The stop clock could be interesting. In the, the what what football needs to learn from futsal is definitely the clock yeah. and its ability to focus um, and eradicate time wasting. Yeah. I think that's one of the things it needs to take away. But from the grassroots game. game bringing that down would be quite hard. I think to. Yeah, it could be challenging to yeah. to do it, but I definitely think that's one of the things that needs to pinch. The principle of it would, would help massively, I think, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, anyway, 20, uh, 15, 16, when I had to make that decision, I was of the opinion, which pathway do I choose? Um, and I thought... Now look at you. And I thought, you know, I think I prefer being a fair weather referee, you know? I haven't got to worry about the weather, so... Yeah, maybe I'll close more of my dates. The FA might... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. When the weather's like it is now, it doesn't excite me necessarily going out and officiating in the torrential rain. And uh, even worse if you're an even worse if you're an assistant referee, if you ask me. But you know, it's uh, it's all personal preference, right? (laughs) I love nothing more than standing on the halfway line on a cold, rainy, wet night, thinking, "What am I doing here? And why have I got to drive three hours home?" (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sure. So. Um, Biggest challenge, uh, your sorry, your priority for the season is an RDO. I think we'd stopped there. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think there's always still a demand for referees. So I think probably still one of our priorities is is keep hitting uh, the targets to, to get more referees and actually go above the targets that we've been set. Because I don't think we're that far off. I think if we run one more course to pretty full, we'd probably hit the FA's KPI for this year. But actually, get it done in Kings Lynn. We need one in Kings Lynn. <laughs> Any Kings Lynn referees? We're going to get you on a course. Yeah, we, we need people on there. So that's a priority for this season. Um, probably in, in the new year. Uh, we normally we normally run a couple in February. Um, we don't do January because we always think people don't have money after Christmas. So we do like a January New Year's resolution. And that's what our marketing team do. And that's really, really worked. Last couple of years, the February, we've run two courses in February. They've always been full. Um, so it's pushing in January, actually. Try something new and become referees. So that, that's a massive priority. And then I also think more face-to-face training because I think we want referees to be better. And yes, sat behind a screen reviewing clips and um, looking at a technical topic is fantastic. But also we referee out on, on the green stuff or in futsal on, on the court. Um, so we need to get outside and, and be doing, doing more practical. So I think that's um, something. And just getting referees together in general. Um, obviously people who got comfortable sitting behind the screen over the last few years anyway with COVID and then don't want to then go out because it's convenient, but actually we need to get back to that that training. So that's probably, um, um, for me, they'd be our, our priorities. And then continuing that work with the club and league, actually, as we discussed at the start, I think that's yeah. maybe a good idea for something we could um, could introduce over the next next couple of seasons, so for sure. Okay, uh, so we, uh, we got one final question for you, Harvey, and we're asking all of our podcast guests this very question. So intrigued to hear what your answer is going to be. If we gave you a magic wand, what one thing would you like to change about refereeing? So for me, I think I'd have to say around referee perception, referee abuse. I think it's the biggest thing of why referees don't have a good experience or leave the game. So um, I think our grassroots referees go out and do a tremendous job every week. Yeah. Um, and actually, for the grassroots referees that I look after, it's their hobby. It's they're involved doing it because they love football. So it's just having that understanding that actually they are human, and getting those players to have that understanding of they're just there to do the best job they can, 
to actually allow a game of football to take place. Yeah. Um, so for me, it would just be that I get this frustration, I get this passion. We don't want to take that away from football at all because that's what makes football great, right? So um, it's just having that understanding that a referee is just human. They're going to make mistakes, but actually the job they do to keep grassroots football going is, is um, truly remarkable and quite commendable. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, The role of a referee is definitely human. Uh, and they're there because they got passion for the game and all they ever want to do is their best. And I think the more we can create an environment where that is true, the the better for, for the game. You know, I think the, the, the sport... It's about the love as well, right? I think people, I think we've said this on a previous podcast, actually, that do clubs and players and secretaries, et cetera, understand that we love the game too? We just love it in a different way that we're just not good enough to play. But we love it and we want to be involved. Yeah. For sure. Speak for yourself in terms of the playing. Yeah, quite right. Yeah, I agree. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my bad. Yeah, definitely me. That's just a horrendous player. Yeah, can't get two left so feet. Then, I mean, I wish I had two left feet. I can't even give myself that much credit. <laughs> so, if people want to follow you, your story, Harvey, and follow you in your various roles that you play in the game, you got to. What's your at symbol? Oh, Twitter, I think it's just at Harvey Newstead. Oh, it's actually X, if we could get that right, that'd be oh, great. X, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's at Harvey Newstead. Um, if you want to look at Norfolk FA, obviously at Norfolk County FA, or we've got our referee department, so it's NCFA uh, refereeing on Twitter, or X, as Ben's just said. <laughs> Tremendous. <laughs> Harvey, been a real pleasure to um, so much, listen to you and understand a little bit more about what your role is in, um, particularly as your role as RDO. So thank you very much. And uh, we'll get one of these exciting uh, Yes Ref hoodies in the post to you. Thank you very much. Uh, all the best for the season, mate, in your level four refereeing and your level one national f- uh, list for refereeing and your priorities as your RDO role. Wish you all the best. Thank you very much. You too. Thank you. See you soon, Harvey. Cheers, mate.